Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is... To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. School of Humans. What is this? Is your year supply? This is what you grew? This is what I grew in the yard, and I'm embarking on another three plants right now. While producing Disorganized Crime, I stayed with various people in Northern California, and I recorded this while staying with Bob and Joanna Banana, friends of my parents and parents of one of my best friends. As Joanna Banana made tea, Bob giddily showed me the first pot he's ever grown and harvested, uncapping glass jars of the fluffy herb for me to admire, and trotting us into the garden for a peek at his new baby plants. Well, this is awesome. What's your favorite flavor? Well, the red dots, the forbidden fruit. I mean, I smoke that the most because the other ones, I'm not sure if it's any good. In fact, today I probably should try this uh, blueberry muffin and see if... This is stony stuff or not. Now, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California was passed in 2016, allowing every adult to grow up to six plants. So let me describe what I'm seeing right now. Um, Bob, my best friend's dad, just pulled out a bong. By the way, he's a 70-year-old, first-generation Chinese-American. Just pulled out a bong. Well, he didn't even, like, pull it out. It was just on the table. There he goes. He's just lit up the bong. I haven't seen a 70-year-old smoking out of a bong in a... ever. Bob and Joanna Banana were never in the illegal pot-smuggling world like my dad, but they both had interesting potributions to share. Side note, I'm a hobby neologist. 
one who makes up words like potribution, definition, a marijuana-related contribution like this podcast or a CBD gummy. Anyway, back to the bananas. As Bob proudly tended his garden bounty, Joanna Banana told me a fascinating story of an ill-fated trip to Puerto Vallarta in her youth. This is not an inspiring space for me. Lead the, lead the way. All right, let's go out here. Lead the way. Maybe we'll hear some birds singing. Cool. Now we'll get to that story in just a second. I'm Rainbow Valentine, and this is Disorganized Crime, Smuggler's Daughter. in 1970, when Joanna had recently moved from the East Coast to San Francisco, and her boyfriend was a guy named Jeffrey. Well, we're living in the, we are in the hate, living across the street from the Hells Angels. You know, we were hippies, but to go to work to get a job, you had to, you had to pass as straight. So I had my hair, you know, up under a wig. I bought a wig, a blonde wig at Macy's. Oh my God. (laughs) And I got this job at the Holiday Inn. But anyway, Jeffrey and I saved our money because we wanted to get out of town and go to Mexico. Jeffrey buys a um, surplus U.S. post office white carry-all van with windows all around and the engine in the front. Perfect vehicle. I think we paid $500 for it. And I sew curtains to go on all the windows, and we put a bed in in there, and we have all our cooking utensils and our money, a couple thousand dollars, and we're leaving. And we hit the road, and we drive south. So Joanna and Jeffrey save their money and embark on what today's social media calls hashtag van life. Mexico has always been a popular destination for hippies. It's cheap, it's warm, it's beautiful, it's easy to get to. And anything goes in Mexico, for the most part. And we are warned as we go into Mexico by other itinerant hippies to watch out for the federales because they are picking off hippies for drug charges because they feel that President Nixon has announced the war on drugs. And so rather than having to worry about Americans being arrested and molested and having their vehicles uh, impounded, they know the U.S. government is saying, green light, go ahead, you know, bust these people for drugs. So we do not have a speck of marijuana in our truck. We are totally clean. We are on vacation. After a 
a month of van life, they arrive in Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta, also known as PV, a tropical beach haven on the West Coast, is a popular tourism hotspot. Now, several factors in the 60s and 70s transformed PV from a village to a destination for travelers and expats. The most interesting factor being that John Huston's 1964 film, Night of the Iguana, starring Elizabeth Taylor's soon-to-be husband Richard Burton, was filmed nearby, and Elizabeth's on-set presence garnered abundant American publicity, putting Puerto Vallarta on the map for U.S. tourists. I called my parents to talk about Puerto Vallarta. I wanted to hear about their experiences. We'd been a few times as a family, the most significant being the time I was bit by a scorpion on the hippie peninsula of Yalapa. So after Night of the Iguana came out, which was filmed at Mesmaloya Beach, all the hippies would go down and hang out there. No, only the um, semi-cool ones, like there was like, you know, the pecking order of hippies. Yeah, the, the Haight-Ashbury was the low end of the, uh, 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 of the scene. The, right. the high end of the scene was the rockers and the uh, smugglers and... And their entourage. And their people. And the pranksters. And the prank... And the, you know, the committee, the, all the entertainers. Right. The, right. So that the jugglers way. and the clowns. Back to Joanna Banana and her unfortunate Mexican adventure. We get to Puerto Vallarta. We drive into town and... It's a beautiful oceanfront, little kind of paved road. It's, it's completely quiet street because it's siesta time. Everything is closed and shut. And we look and we come to a corner and there is an open gate into a beautiful garden, which is a restaurant. And um, we look in, it's open, and we see five or six men sitting together, Americans, drinking beer. We go in and we join them, and and we're having a lovely time. We order some food. All of a sudden, out of this quiet, we hear this shrieking of, of brakes, and, and a, a jeep pulls to a stop in front of the gate that we had entered. Into the restaurant comes police, two policemen. And they say in Spanish, you know, who owns that white truck around two blocks from here? And we kind of, Jeffrey and I look at each other and we're like, we do? And they're like, okay, come with us. So she and Jeffrey are following the Federales to their van. And so we're standing there and they said, okay, unload it. So we're like, okay, you know, so... Not me, though. Only Jeffrey. They only address everything to Jeffrey. Unload it. Take everything out. And so we knew we had no drugs. Nothing. So we're unloading. Jeffrey's unloading. And the police keep telling him to go faster. Hurry up. And each time he passes one of them to put something down, the guy knocks on his shoulder, gives him a shove. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. And I'm standing going, this is not going to go well. And Jeffrey had quite a temper when roused. And each time they shoved his shoulder, I was like, this is, 
this is not gonna, well, sure enough, the third time the guy shoves him, Jeffrey hauls back and punches the policeman in the face. They pick him up bodily, throw him in the back of the Jeep, and drive away. And I'm standing in the middle of the beautiful Bougainvillea-lined alley with all my belongings in the street going, what the fuck just happened? So I lock up the car, I walk back the two blocks, our new friends are still drinking their beers, and they're like, what happened, what happened, where is he, what happened? So I was like, recounted what happened, and they start shaking their heads. He is in big shit trouble. You cannot punch a policeman in Mexico. This is, you know, worse than a drug bust. So they said, you have to call Guadalajara to the uh, consulate and let them know that he's been arrested and, you know, see if they can do something to get him out. Joanna rushes to find a telephone. It's 1970, and there are only two telephones in the whole town at City Hall and the travel agency. And I talked to the travel agent. They got the consulate on the phone. I talked to the officer there. I recounted what had happened, and he was like, this is really bad. This is 20 years in the penal in um, Guadalajara. He, he is... The, you cannot let him get convicted of this because he will die in the penal because Americans die there. They commit suicide. They, he will not last there. So Joanna has no idea how long Jeffrey will be in jail for. And if he's convicted, a likely outcome is his early death. Now, there's no higher stakes. I'm Rainbow Valentine. This is Disorganized Crime. We'll be right back. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. 
Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, backing up, here's a brief summary of cannabis history and law in Mexico. So cannabis in the form of hemp was brought to Mexico by the Spanish in the 16th century and used to produce rope and textiles. By 1898, cannabis use was widespread in Mexico and used for recreation and as a pain remedy. Now, eventually, Mexican elites devoted to Catholicism began to associate cannabis with the lower-class peasants and criminals. And in 1920, Mexico banned the production, sale, and recreational use of cannabis. Seven years later, they banned the export of cannabis. Trivia tidbit. In the late 1970s, the U.S. government sponsored a program spraying Paraquat, an herbicide toxic to humans and animals, on cannabis fields in Mexico. Pot poisoned with Paraquat began to show up in U.S. markets shortly after. Good times. Now, to clarify, Mexico, run by upper-class Catholics, disliked anyone who questioned the church, which certainly includes hippies who tend to smoke pot and philosophize. And in 1970, pot was totally illegal. In 2009, Mexico decriminalized small amounts of cannabis. And in 2017, medical use of cannabis became legal. In 2018, the Mexican Supreme Court mandated that cannabis become legal within 90 days of that ruling. And today, Mexico's recent cannabis legalization is limited, mostly because the Catholic Church is totally against medical and recreational pot. That's just my opinion. So Joanna goes to the jail worried about what she might see. So we get let in, and what do we see? 
Sure enough, there's Jeffrey looking mollified and a little pale. And he said, I found out what happened. So we sit down and he tells me that there are two other Americans in the jail. He points the other guy. One is a tall blonde surfer guy. And he is laughing and having a great time with some friends joking. Another is a um, American who didn't pay his hotel bill for like six months and he is loco because he's a little out of it. So the three Americans, why did they come and make us unload the truck? Well, American number one, the surfer, had ridden into town in the identical truck, the white Dodge Carry-All, same year, it was probably 1965, and parked on the same road that we parked on along the water, not in the alley, and they curiously decided to bust him and look into what he had in his truck, and it was loaded with kilos of marijuana. It was the biggest drug bust in Puerto Vallarta's history. Apparently, hashtag van life and hippies were all too common in Mexico in the 70s, leading to a classic case of mistaken identity. Joanna and Jeffrey's van, so thoughtfully decorated with hand-sewn curtains, was identical to another hippie's, who, unfortunately for Joanna and Jeffrey, was a huge pot smuggler. And the federales of Puerto Vallarta assumed that all hippies with matching vans were part of that same pot-smuggling ring. Now, the local jail was a surprisingly pleasant place— But hanging over Joanna's head was the prospect of a conviction that would send her boyfriend to prison in Guadalajara, a hellhole in which Jeffrey would probably die, according to almost everyone. She calls the consulate official. And he's like, okay, the arraignment is going to be probably next week, and you're going to be in a courtroom, and there's going to be a judge. And you have to come up with a good story why Jeffrey punched a policeman. This is what you should tell him. You tell him that Jeffrey is the son of a senator. And he has, he's mentally ill. And he was causing a lot of trouble in the States. And the family asked you to take him out of the country to Mexico. And that's why he acted this way. He's mentally ill. And he, you know, he would never, you know, no one, no one in their right mind would ever punch a Mexican policeman. Please allow us to leave and I will take him out of Puerto Vallarta and we are so sorry that we, you know, insulted the police by this action. And how much money do you have, by the way? So I said, a couple thousand dollars. He said, well, he said, I think about a thousand dollars will do it. So he said, after you tell the judge this, you take the envelope with the money and you push it towards the judge on the table discreetly and you say, please, uh, we're so sorry we caused all this trouble and we hope that this will compensate for all this trouble that we have caused the town. With a Spanish-English dictionary, Joanna writes a monologue. 
Now, luckily, she's an actress, and she knows this will be her most important role ever. The day comes, and they bring in Jeffrey, who is now looking very thin and very sad. And, you know, he knows he's facing 20 years in the penal. This is not good. And so I, you know, his case is called, and I stand up in front of the big desk in front of the, and I, I deliver my speech, you know, in Spanish. Please forgive him. He didn't know what he was doing. He is not in his right mind. He, you know, he's had this problem before. He has hit other people, not, you know. You know, I even surprised myself. I'm clasping my hands. I'm raising them in supplication to the judge. I'm pointing to Jeffrey, which we had planned before. And I was like, when I get to the part of please forgive him and let him go, I'm going to point to you. And you are going to get down on your knees on the floor. And you are going to beg like this, please let me go. So I'm crying. I literally have thrown myself into this performance. Tears are streaming down my face. He's crying. This drama is going on. The judge is looking very stern. And he was like, okay, enough, enough, enough. I will reconsider, I will reconsider. And this is a very serious offense. And I could give him 20 years in the penal. But because of the special circumstances, and I'm thinking, you know, and I have slipped him the money as well as with the pleading. And I'm thinking, okay. It's done. I paid the money. I gave the apology. Instead of giving him 20 years in the penal, I will only give him five. Well, then I really started crying because I knew, according to the, uh, you know, the consul, like, he's not going to survive a year in the penal. So I'm like, please, no, don't you. He'll never last. There is so terrible. This was real. This was not an act. So we, okay, okay, all right, all right. I will change, I will change the sentence. I will allow you to be on probation and you must take him out of Puerto Vallarta by sunset and you may never return to Puerto Vallarta again. <laughs> so we're like, we really, it was like a reprieve. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. We walk out of this courtroom. We go back to the hotel. <laughs> We pack my few things. We drive out of town. We're still shaking. We park about 10, 20 miles north of Puerto Vallarta. We're out of town by sunset. We're not in Puerto Vallarta city limits. And we realize that he just escaped, probably dying in a prison in Mexico. Fifty years after this debacle, Joanna told me about a phone call she had with her daughter, my best friend, who was in Puerto Vallarta on vacation, telling Joanna about how nice it was. Joanna said it sounded like a good time, but she can never, ever return there, even after half a century. She and Bob vacation in Cape Cod. Joanna's story is cautionary reminding one to stay sober while traveling in countries with strict drug laws and attempt to maintain a moderately tidy, not-total-hippie appearance while abroad because many humans do judge a book by its cover. 
And finally, we learn once again that in Mexico, it's a good idea to keep money on hand for police bribes, as Far Out Story also illustrated. Hippies, also known as freethinkers or outside-the-box existers, were under attack from the corporate traditionalists at the top, trying to maintain order, their theoretical fingers bloody, trying to retain control amidst the uncontrollable chaos of the universe. Hmm, sound familiar? Yeah, it's a reoccurring pattern in human history. And reminds me once again that I am a fucking hippie. I'm Rainbow Valentine, and this is Disorganized Crime Smuggler's Daughter. Stay safe out there and be kind to each other. Disorganized Crime Smuggler's Daughter is written and recorded by me, Rainbow Valentine. Our producers are Gabby Watts and Taylor Church. Executive producers are Brandon Barr, Brian Lavin, Elsie Crowley, and me at School of Humans, and Connell Byrne and Charles Bryant at iHeartRadio. Our music is by Gabby Lala and Claire Campbell, with original theme by Mark Karen and me. You can follow us online at disorganizedcrimepodcast.com. Writing our own story, doing as we please. Tamil pies, sleeping princess of the redwood trees. She helps us keep it real. A handshake seals the deal. Grab the stash, seal the meal, and load up these old wheels. Rolling a doobie, young, rich, and groovy. Making it up as we roll along. Rolling along, far out country road. Rolling along, far out country road. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts.
or wherever you get your podcasts.